You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt, director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I'd like to begin here today by calling in the helping spirits to be with us. So I call out first to our ancestors, to your ancestors, to my ancestors. I call out to all of those who are bring that which is good and true and beautiful down the lines into our lives, all the way back to the first people. I call out to those ancestors who understood in particular how to ride the currents of challenging times and those who found the way to be in the eye of the storm of change. And I call out to these ancestors to gather around us here today because we the living are in need. We are in need of guidance that we may go through this time in such a way, this transition, this transitional time in such a way that we will gain energy and not lose it. So I ask for these masterful ancestors to gather around us and to help us, to guide us and help us to be the people that we need to be, help us to step fully into the people we are here to be in this particular time we have chosen to be in. And so I give thanks to these ancestors for gathering around us, for holding us well and participating with us in each day. And with the ancestors gathered round, let us turn within and move our energy from our heads to our hearts and our hearts to our bellies and from our bellies down into the belly of the earth. And through this long line of energy that connects your belly to the belly of the earth, I ask you to send a pulse of gratitude from your own heart. Let it pulse down that line radiating out 360 degrees in all the layers of the earth, in all directions, giving gratitude for the earth for the wonder of her dreaming that brought life as we experience it to the face of this planet. And we give thanks to the earth for the beauty, for life itself, for the miracle of life and the opportunity always in every day to change, to heal, to let go of that which holds us in forms we no longer find useful and to step forward in new ways. We give thanks to the energy of the earth for that capacity we each carry which is that capacity for innovation, for creativity and change. So we have so much to be grateful for, and we give thanks to the earth for life. And we reach from our heart and our bellies down to the belly of the earth and draw the energy of the earth up, calling into ourselves, calling into these proceedings, calling into our day. The energy of place and home, that grounded energy of belonging, that ability to take a stand, to know who we are and what we believe in, what has heart in meaning and what we choose to live for. We give thanks to the earth for that place to take a stand. And we give thanks to the earth and we call up this energy of connection, the energy of interconnection, and ultimately that energy of the complete interconnectivity of all things that brings us to a place of oneness. May we know our place in that oneness 
And we ask the energy of the earth for that experience to help us to know our place in the oneness, that we might come into right relationship with ourselves, right relationship with others, right relationship with the environment, and right relationship with the beings of the invisible world. We give thanks to the earth for all of this and feel then, imagine, sense the energy of the earth coming up into the belly and continuing to rise up into the heart and up into the head. And with the energy of the earth to fuel you, we rise all the way up through all the layers of the sky, through the weather, through the atmosphere, out into the cosmos, out into all the wonders of our universe, those we think we know and those we have no idea about yet. And we reach out amongst all of these heavenly bodies, reaching from our heart to the highest power of the universe. And by whatever name we know that power, let us name it. See ourselves in its reflection, its reflection in our own, and call that energy down. Drawing the sky energies down into ourselves, into our day, into these proceedings. Bringing in that great energy of blessing, of generosity and benevolence. And the great devotion, all of these energies that are part of the nature of our universe, we call in all the wisdom of the cosmos and we call in protection. We call all these energies in as we draw the energy down, down into our head and from our head to our heart and our heart to our belly and each of our energy centers, head, heart and belly. We feel the energies of the earth and the sky dancing together in that great Taoistic um, dance of life. And we give thanks to these energies within us, this energy of the big love. And we invite the energy of our own hearts to awaken this uh, spirit energy that we're calling in. We invite our hearts to awaken and open. And we ask the heart to be that crucible that can call up the fiery passions of the belly and the crystal cool clarity of the mind and bring these energies together in a dance of mutuality, of complementary dualism, not a dance of destruction. We ask the heart to hold these energies in that dynamic that will give birth to that third most essential energy, which is that knowing of our heart's path, of our soul's true purpose. And may we find in our heart the courage to live in a way that brings that energy out in manifestation in the world. And we give thanks to all of these spirit energies for gathering around us. The heart, heavens above, the earth below, and the ancestors gathering around. All of our helping spirits, we call them in. We call in the energies of the land in which you sit or stand. And we call in the great spirits of the land, the regions that hold us all in such great beauty. We call these energies in to be with us here today. May what needs to be said be said and what needs to be heard be heard and that may these proceedings go forward in a way that is good for all living things. So I'd also like to give gratitude to the spirits in the people, the people that have donated in some way to make this show possible. I give thanks to those of you who have donated financially to Pat and Duane and Bob and all of the listeners who have donated over the past week. And if this show is meaningful to you in any way, I ask you to do something to allow yourself to be moved by that motivation in your heart. I ask you to do something to help the show to grow and to be available to people around the world free um, through my archives on the whyshamanismnow.com site, through the Kodesh Creator Network site, through the Society of Shamanic Practitioners site, and through iTunes. There are many, many ways to access the show, and I give thanks for 
all of this. Thanks for those of you that helped me to keep that available uh, to people. And thanks to those of you that are uh, wrestling with, enjoying, being inspired by whatever it is that you're doing with what you hear on the show. Thanks for your questions that come back to me. Thanks for your ideas for the shows. And most of all, or maybe just not most of all, but thank you deeply for those of you that are sharing with me how you are using these teachings in your life and how it is changing the way you live and the lives that you touch. So thank you all for all of it. It is um, deeply moving. I am deeply grateful. Know that every um, dollar, ruble, euro, whatever it is that you donate goes directly to keeping the show on the air. And if you'd like to donate, you can go to whyshamanismnow.com and click the support button. You can donate any amount, large or small. Um, If you don't like doing that, please feel free to email me at christina at lastmasscenter.org and I would be happy to give you um, a physical mailing address to send a good old-fashioned check to. Um, So thank you, everyone. We are not live today, but we are here. The show will go on. And we are continuing in um, a series here in the end time of the world in which we have been living um, to help us to orient ourselves in a good way to receive the new world and all of the opportunities, all the doors that are opening um, as one world ends and another begins. And so we're forging ahead with the wisdom of the warrior this week. This is part two in this four-part series in which I am asking the great teachers, the archetypal teachers from uh, the shamanic work that I do from that cosmology, I'm asking them for their guidance in this challenging time. This is an astronomical time, as in astronomy, not as in big, but it is pretty big. Um, And it is about the alignment of the planets in our solar system. And it has happened before. And it will happen again because it is part of the huge, unbelievably long life cycle of our Earth and her brother, sister planets in this solar system. For us, living on this beautiful planet, it is an amazing opportunity. And that opportunity in this time is to be here at the time of the birth of a new world. Um, The birth of a new world is inevitable. It's not because of anything we've done or not done. A new world is being born. And it is because it is part of the Earth's life cycle and uh, the possibility with our participation is in terms of our experience here on the planet that this new world could truly be new if we can approach this time of transition skillfully. And so this is what I've asked the teachers to help us to do in these weeks coming up um, to the solstice of this year, 2012. So last week I shared the wisdom offered by the healer and the complement of the healer of death. And what the healer mostly said to us is that if we do nothing, the next world will be a lot like this one. And we will miss this time of unprecedented opportunity. That this isn't just an ordinary opportunity, as with all times of endings, a door closes and others will open. This is an astronomical door closing. It is the end of a time, the end of a world, and this implies that it's also an astronomical door opening. Or perhaps more correctly, it's just many, 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 many doors closing and many, 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 many doors opening. And so so when we talk... Excuse me, when we talk about the end of a world and the beginning of a new world, I use this term um, in a way that the native people 
of North America, many different Native peoples of North America used this term to refer to the past as a world, as a time that had particular characteristics and human beings um, well, actually didn't even exist, I don't think, maybe in the first world, depending on who you talk to. But anyway, the point is that the Earth has cycled through many, many worlds. And as we uh, list, read these stories and listen, what they're talking about is they're, they're, they are both inspiring tales, but they are also cautionary tales. And this is what I like about the stories from um, North America, is they talk about how blah, blah, blah got resolved and was left behind in the old world. As the old world ended, things were released and resolved and were let go of, and then the people um, heroically moved forward into the new world, the next world. Now, these stories also carry within them the cautionary tale about how things were undone, things were left unresolved and unreconciled, um, and were brought forward into the new world, um, making aspects of the new world very like the old world. And so what we talked about with the healer was about how important it is to reconcile the unreconciled, to clear those things that have been dogging you in your life, to let go of all that you can let go of from this time that is non-essential so that we can step forward into the new world in a way that we do not bring with us, particularly the things most problematic about this time. And you would think that these problematic things of this time would be hard to leave behind because they seem so big. They seem so much bigger than one person because they, they are bigger than one person because more than one person is participating in them. However, if each individual person were able to clear their relationship to that energy, then there would be no one to bring it forward into the new world. Or there would be so few bringing it forward into the new world that it would die of its own lack of sustainability. And so this is the message that I, I'm hearing in each of the four great teachers is our understanding that if each one of us will simply do our part and not get overwhelmed by how big things are, but if each one of us will truly do our part, that in the new world, because it is a new world, we can actually leave behind and let go of that which is not sustainable and move forward in a new way, in a good way. So... The healer, uh, what else did the healer say? The healer said, of course, that there will be change. There's no way around that, that this is an end time and it will uh, likely be messy. Um, you know, Sandy was messy. Um, lots of things are messy. Um, but that what we need to come to understand is that it is not just our consciousness that is making choices that our unconsciousness is also choosing and that our unconscious does not hesitate, it does not doubt, it does not worry about getting things right, it just chooses and makes things manifest and that that is all we really have to grasp here. We don't have to make it perfect. We just need to understand that our full consciousness, the fullness of our consciousness, which is both that which we are aware of and that which we are unconscious of, is choosing all the time. 
And so if we could understand that our task here as humans, this is part of the healer's teaching, is that if we could understand and become skillful about being in right relationship with our unconsciousness, that we would begin to um, orchestrate that choosing. Not control it, but begin to really orchestrate and become conscious of our choosing. So for more about what the healer and death had to say, go ahead and just listen to last week's show. Um, uh, let's move on now around the medicine wheel from the healer to the warrior. And the basic message from the healer actually surprised me, but the basic message from the warrior really surprised me. Um, not that it's not the kind of thing the warrior says, but I just, I don't know, I just thought it was going to be different. Um, it wasn't about one last stand or going out and doing that one thing that really matters in these last few weeks. Um, it was a message to do what you know you need to be doing and do only that. That's the essence of the message, that it was a message about the true power of action. So in our new agey time that says that this, you know, that mastery is about, is not about doing, it's about being. I get corrected all the time for um, my focus on taking action. It's interesting. People say, well, this isn't about doing, it's about being. But what we've done in this um, half understanding of that truth is that we have utterly lost the true power of action. The message that it is about um, doing and not being um, is to get us out of our obsessive, um, addictive, um, mentally driven actions that we take and to still our mind, to get back in the moment and to be, to learn to be. Once we learn to be, we finally have returned to the place from which we need to act. And this is the essence of the message from the warrior, is that the true power of action. So this is a message about doing what you know you need to be doing. So what the warrior is really saying is now is the time to begin to eat only what you know you should be eating. Stop cheating. Stop eating the things you know aren't good for your body. Whatever that is, I'm not telling you what it is. The warrior is simply saying do what you know you need to do about your food every day. Um, myself right now, my partner and parts of my community right now are actually doing um, a food cleanse and a reintroduction so that we can be very clear about what our body is really wanting to be eating at this time for exactly this reason, so that we are doing only what we need to be doing. Do your practices. Do the practices you know to be good in your body you need to be doing. If it's grounding, do your grounding practices. If you don't know a grounding practice, ask. If it's if you're um, a practitioner of yoga or Tai Chi, do your practices. If you chant, do your chanting. Whatever your practices are, if you paint as a practice, whatever your practices are that you know you need to be doing to be well, do them. Love. Love the people that you love in your actions. Do what you need to be doing. Don't wait. Don't put it off. 
So this is about doing all those things you don't have time for, but you know you should be doing, or you aren't healthy enough yet to do, do it anyway. Um, That you don't want to look all of a mess at the gym so you don't really sweat, go sweat anyway. That this is a time that is simply about do, don't try to do something you haven't yet done. Don't try to scale that mountain you've always wanted to scale before the end of this world. Leave that mountain for the new world. The warrior's counsel is to do what you know you need to be doing and do nothing else. So in the cycle work, the warrior is in relationship with the visionary across the medicine wheel. And that means um, effectively that they are, that the warrior and the visionary are in a relationship of complementary dualism in my teachings, in the teachings I've been given by spirit. Um, and where we are, um, where we as the family of humanity are in understanding this is revealed um, in the warrior's statement. And so, speaking to us in the journey, the warrior said that this is a time of coming undone and uh, a time of unwinding the many things you do each day that serve the wrong master. That many of you have come to understand the fact that what you can envision, you can manifest. You know, we've talked about that on this show. We've talked about manifestation and visualization. Everybody and their dog has read The Secret. Everybody's all about the power of attraction. There's a gajillion meetup groups to do the power, the law of attraction, that, that we have a robust understanding to greater and lesser degrees, but nonetheless an understanding that um, what we can visualize, we uh, will manifest. But the warrior continues saying, but what you have not yet seen is how powerfully your actions create this world daily. In this, you still do not understand your true power at all. And this is, this is the essence of what the warrior has to say. If you did understand, you would see how your actions show spirit what you want to create. It's not just what you intend or visualize. Your actions show spirit what you want to create. So your great power is when you align your thoughts and your actions. So because your actions, this is why this is so important, your actions communicate where your heart truly is in the moment at all times your visualizations your intention is speaking to the life that you want to be living and it's important to bring your heart into that for that visualization to work granted that's part of understanding the power of the visionary but what the warrior is telling us is that our great power is we when we align the essence or the principles or the values in those visions, those intentions with our actions in everyday life. In other words, if part of my intention and my visualization is a life of abundant resources, what the warrior is saying is I need to act 
in a way each day as if I have abundant resources. Now, that doesn't mean spending money I don't have and putting out energy towards clients or students I don't have to give. It means focusing on making choices around the resources of my... Well, first, it means seeing all the resources of my life. Not just money, not just time, but seeing all of them as wealth, as a wealth of resources. And then it means making choices to live in a way that I can be as sustainable as possible regarding all of those resources. It means honoring my boundaries and sharing only those resources which are in abundance to share. In other words, I have more than what I need. It means many choices like that throughout the day around the resources. Those need to align with my intention to have abundant resources. And people mess this up all the time. They think, well, my intention is to have abundant resources. So I have to live as if I have abundant resources. So I'm going to spend this and do that and act as if the abundance is already here. But the, but that's, but the warrior is saying that is our great misunderstanding. That is the part of this dynamic between the warrior and the visionary we didn't quite get before the end of this world. We're just barely getting the visionary piece. We're just barely believing what people have been telling us for my entire lifetime. Decades. Decades. <laughs> for my entire lifetime. People have been talking about the fact that we manifest our reality through our visions, our dreams, our intentions. But we have missed the way in which where we are bold, in other words, where we act, that is where spirit comes to us and allows us to imprint the world, to do something in the world. Right? Spirit's also helping us with the visions. But we are literally manifesting in our every action. And this relationship, between the visioning and the intention and the manifesting there and our actions in everyday life is the piece we haven't quite grasped. And this is the message for us at this time of the warrior is whether you've got it all together or not. Or, well, another way to say this would be the warrior is saying, regardless of your vision and your intention, you must align your actions to those fundamental values and principles that support the vision and the intention now and act in a way that is aligned with your intention. Even if you're not living the fullness of that vision yet, you must not act as if, but align your actions in your present day life so that they are uh, trued up. They are in resonance with that which will be, that which will come. Boy, if you're all a class right now, I'd be asking you all, did you get that or do I need to keep explaining it? It's very, very important crux of the warrior's message. And so back to what the warrior was saying, because our actions communicate where our heart is. Our heart is here with us in the moment, right? And our actions are always communicating that. Um, so... What the warrior says then, going back to the, the journey to the warrior and the warrior's um, message. The warrior said, if you did understand this, you would not spend hours a day at meaningless jobs that do nothing to feed or care for others. If you did understand this, 
you would not give your sweat and heart to businesses that cause harm to life in any of its many forms, human and more than human. If you did, you would tend your daily practice, whatever those daily practices might be. But if you did, you would tend your daily practice with the devotion, the daily devotion you currently give your addictions, habits, and comforts. If you truly understood the power of action, you would take great care that every dollar you spend goes to support the growth and maintenance of the things that you value. So this is the essence of the message of the warrior. The warrior continues saying, your actions create the world that you live in. They show us, meaning the spirit world, they show us where your heart is. They direct us to where you want help creating. And thus, your actions are shaping the world. So if you are intending one way and acting another, those actions are directing the spirit world to help you to create in that other direction. And so this is the essence then of this message. So so the message here then is asking us to see how our actions create the world. And again, in this time of given, having been given this message, this new age message, that this is a time of doing, not being, or not of doing, but of being, that we've really lost our connection to this true power of taking action. And I think this is the reason that for me, I still refer to my community as a shamanic community, not a spiritual community. It's not a community of people who are shamanic healers or practitioners. The cycle teachings don't teach you to um, be a shamanic healer. That the cycle teachings teach you how to be in the world and to approach the world shamanically. Or how to be in the world shamanically. How to approach it as a person of power who has a gift to bring to the world and make sure in whatever sphere of influence you act in the world that you do so in a shamanic way. And to, make, to me, that means in a way that is sustainable with our environment, in a way that has care and compassion for other living things, human and non-human, in a way that understands the interconnectedness of all things. It's all of these things we've been rediscovering in my lifetime, again, in these decades. We've been rediscovering these truths through science, and trying to understand what they mean. Well, the shamanic people have held what they mean from the dawn of human time. And that is why I stubbornly continue to refer to my community as a shamanic community and my teachings as shamanic teachings, not because I'm teaching people to be shamanic healers. What I'm doing is teaching people to approach the world from this perspective of our ancestors, this shamanic perspective. And this perspective includes action and the importance the power of action and non-action frankly 
So for example, this morning I was um, having breakfast and at the place we were having breakfast, there was a man that reminded me a lot, actually several people gathered where we were eating that reminded me a lot of um, the people in the 60s and early 70s we would have called hippies. And um, it reminded me of that time that was such a monumental time of change and yet so many of the people I know who would identify themselves as hippies at that time and are now boomers um, have such a profound feeling of betrayal and disappointment. And, and so it's a time that, that the being got talked about but the doing didn't happen, frankly, because everybody was too high to do anything. Um, and people didn't yet understand what it actually takes. They didn't understand the power of action. In this, I mean, they understood the power of activism, but the power of actions to sustain a change wasn't really deeply understood. And so whether we're talking about um, the groovy do, uh, not doing being in this whole sort of cool hippie thing or and, and, and the generations of hippiedom that have evolved that wouldn't call themselves hippie, but it's the same idea. It's all about being. And, in, and now it's a particularly entitled version. It's all about my uh, right to be in any altered state I want to and learn whatever I can learn. But there's no community there. And the same thing if we talk about some of the religious practices or the way we Westerners have internalized religious practices that focus on being. That being in and of itself from a shamanic perspective is not enough because humans, to be, to be right, humans need to act. Humans have a gift to bring to the world and they need to act on that gift. It's a, a lot like dogs who don't know their purpose in the pack. They go a little crazy. Humans need to be able to act on their gift. And so action is a critical piece and understanding the true power of action is a critical piece in shamanic teachings. And again, that action is supposed to extend, of course, from the place of being, not the incessant doing of the Western world. Nonetheless, we have um, dismissed the value and the power of doing. And so what the, what the warrior is saying about this particular time is that we need deeply to focus our awareness and our intention on doing only what we know we need to be doing right now and to do nothing else because whatever we don't do won't come with us into the new world. And that's really the heart of the wisdom of the warrior at this time. And so the art of the warrior isn't really about battle as I understand the teachings of the warrior, that the true art of the warrior is about the transformation of the enemy into an ally. And this happens only by being willing to do whatever it takes to, to guide and participate in that transformation. And it also comes with that understanding that that transformation always requires your own. In other words, the transformation of the enemy into an ally transforms you in the act of doing it. So this takes the courage to see the other within ourselves in every tension and every conflict. 
And so this requires the work of the healer, that we heal that wounded inner child so we no longer react from that place because we cannot do what the warrior is asking us to do if we are happily camped out in our wounded child. And so this is about then having the courage to see the other in yourself truly. And so one of the places this has been beginning here at our end time is in the nonviolent communication work of Marshall Rosenberg. It's a beautiful example of how others are, are doing this thing that needs to be done and helping us to understand these teachings of the warrior. So the true gift of the warrior archetype is this gift of transformation. Transformation not through death. I know that this really confuses people because they're sure that the warrior is about power and the transformation is through death. But in shamanic work, and particularly in the cycle work, the transformation through death is in the hands of the healer. That the warrior holds the transformation through the heart. The transformation of the enemy into the ally. The transformation in the heart. The transformation that always requires that we transform as well. And so this this transformation can only happen through our feeling the other within our own heart. And from that inner understanding, we gain a knowing of what to do and how to go forward. And so if we cast our mind for a moment out across the globe... And look at how many conflicts are happening because someone has been identified as it's, or, or are justified by the act of labeling someone, some other group, as the others. How much damage is being done to the environment because nature is the other. How much rationale is, the, is there out there for the continuation of things we would call racism and sexism and um, all of those ways we separate ourselves from the other. All of these things occur because we say, you do not belong in my heart, you are the other. And the warrior says, that is cowardice. That is false and it is cowardice that the courage of the warrior is the ability to see the other in ourselves, to truly see that in ourselves, that takes great courage. And from that place of connection, to begin to understand then what must occur for this transformation, knowing that I sacrifice myself in that transformation because I will be transformed as well. This is warriorship in these shamanic teachings. And so to accomplish this transformation then absolutely requires, if we're going to do this transformation in any authentic way of transformation, right? Um, one of the things we must be able to do is to face our fears, to face them truly and to move through them. And what facing our fears means is we stop running and we turn and we face them. That's part A. Part B is we actually see them for what they are, for the illusion that they are. 
And that's, so that was the beginning to turn and face them. The middle is to see them for what they are, which is the middle. And the end is to rescue that energy of ourself that has lived in that fear so that we can allow that illusion to go. And so it is always about seeing our self in the other. And so to accomplish this transformation in any actual authentic way, it also requires a willingness to do whatever it takes. And in my student community, what I see, where I see this get stuck and this willingness to do whatever it takes is around letting go of issues It's around being willing to change your diet because that's what you need to do. It's about being willing to change your practices because that's what you need to do. One of the greatest acts of courage in my life took admitting to myself that in my honest and sincere pursuit of my own authenticity in the manifestation of these teachings and my shamanic practice, that I was actually killing myself. And I don't mean to be overly dramatic, but I was in such a state of yin depletion that even the practices that I was doing diligently were not touching the debt that I was creating in my own life. And it took great courage to admit that because it admitted being open to the possibility that everything that I was teaching and everything I had given my entire life over to was wrong but I had no other choice if I were to actually live my teachings and so through the warriorship of that time and the many many gifts that came through the many angels friends and teachers in my life I came to a practice and a teacher that would teach me new practices that were capable of helping me not only to cultivate the energy that I needed to cultivate, but to change my life in the way I needed to change my life so that I could restore the debt that I was in to myself. And this took two years. It was not a quick fix. It took time because I was very resistant and very uh, enmeshed or entangled in the way I had organized my life at that time. And any change meant potentially losing this work that I'd given my entire adult life over to create. And it was very frightening because every day meant facing the possibility that I was wrong about all of this. Not that I would personally care so much to be wrong because I'm wrong a lot, but that so many people trusted me and believed in those teachings and I would have betrayed them all. It was a very, very challenging time. But the point of that time is it was a profound example for me in my own life of being willing to do whatever it took to transform that situation. That it wasn't a time, even though my teacher actually told me I was supposed to, to walk, to transform it through death. But what I understood through my own truth cord was that I had to transform my life through love, through the warrior's transformation, the transformation the warrior tends. 
which is the transformation through the heart. And through that practice, not only did I come to understand the teachings better in the cycle, but I really got the teachings that are now um, shared through the Courageous Heart work and that series of work around the Courageous Heart that I teach. It takes enormous courage to be willing to face your fears and to do truly, truly do whatever it takes to be in a transformation until that enemy is transformed into the ally. And it may require changing things you've committed your entire life to believing are true, but to change them anyway. Now, I didn't find that the teachings were wrong. I felt that my actions in the manifestations of the teachings were not aligned. In other words, my actions, I found out exactly what the teacher's trying to tell us through me here today, which is that my actions were not actually fundamentally aligned with the teachings. So, there we go. So the final thing that the warrior teaches us about this transformation, this transformation through the heart, is discernment. Discernment is absolutely required to be able to act from any place of true warriorship. And discernment is very, very challenging for us in our culture because of the way we're raised, the way we go to school, many of the religions we grow up in. We as a culture, we Americans as a culture, not that we're the only ones, but we definitely are enormously judgmental. We presume judgment in everything. We feel horribly put upon when we are uh, corrected in class. Oh, we're just a mess. We're absolutely a mess around judgment. And and because of this, when we enter into spiritual teachings that teach us to be non-judgmental, we just go from being overly judgmental. We swing the pendulum 180 degrees the other side, and we don't judge about anything. And then we're just energetic roadkill. Because what we miss is that place that we're really looking for, which isn't on that pendulum at all, which is the place of discernment. So in every act of judgment, we do first discern. We notice there's something going on. We discern, and then we immediately place a value on that discernment. And that steam rolls into the judgment. And this all happens in an instant for us Americans in general. And discernment is that capacity to notice and stop, to open our senses, to check into our heart with our truth cord, and to discern what is going on in the moment, and how does this relate to my energy, to my boundaries, to my limitations, to my uh, desires, and, and to assess without judgment, without valuing things, but just discerning what is and how does that relate to me and so not only do we judge in this culture but we also project constantly people project constantly and so part of discernment in that noticing and stopping is taking a moment and checking is this real or is this my projection and having the skills to pull those projections back to clear whatever we might need to clear to be able to see reality for what it is and again to discern based on that reality. And so these are all part of the kind of part and parcel 
of the energy of the warrior, of the gifts that the warrior has through the warrior's teachings. So in this critical time, this time of change and the opening of doors into the new world is a time of absolute necessity to discern accurately. This is the place that we are trying to get to when we talk about not being judgmental and not projecting is to a place of discernment. And what is important, what the warrior is saying right now is that what is important to discern here is what matters to you. What has heart and meaning to you? What are your values? What matters to you? and to do what you need to be doing based on what matters to you and to do nothing else. So remember, the warrior then reminded me of a couple things. Remember how people were in New York City after September 11th, how they treated each other, how people wanted and enjoyed being generous and um, giving and helping. Remember the realization at that time uh, that our skills for that were pretty rusty. And so recently with Sandy, there were some reports about people being sort of stuck somewhere with a bunch of people and everybody's phones, smartphones eventually um, ran out of battery and nobody could charge their phones and people actually started talking again, cooking together, doing things communally. And that realization again, of just how rusty our skills have become. So as these basic values emerge from these times, these chaotic times, um, we, our basic values just emerge. The, the life that we're so involved in maintaining falls apart and we're left just humans here on the planet with other humans and other things and our basic values emerge and yet our skills for acting on those values are very, very rusty. Our lives don't have the space and time. We were awkward living. We were very awkward trying to live with what truly had value. And so this is the warrior's counsel right now. We are so good at filling the day with what is utterly meaningless and has no true value. And then when the shit hits the fan, there we are, right? Realizing with ease what actually has value in our life and taking action based on it. And so this is the warrior's counsel in this time, in this end time, is to roll your energy back from all of that maintenance of the daily distraction and busyness. What has heart and meaning for you? What do you value? What would you die for? Live these things now. Bring these things into the new world. Sort out what that means when we get there. So Karn artists and opportunists always emerge in these times when people say, live with your basic values, help other people out. They always do. They always have. This is, again, part of the warrior's counsel. They emerge to challenge us, to discern clearly, to help us to focus clearly on what has value, what feels true to us, what rings our truth cord, and to let the quick fixes and the decisions made in desperation and the easy money promises go by and to simply do what has heart and meaning to trust your soul 
So when we attend to the end of the world and the beginning of another, the warrior encourages us to discern what matters to you. Bring your actions into alignment with these things. Manifest that and only that in the world. Bring what has heart and meaning to you. Do what has value to you. Now, in the cycle work, any conversation with the warrior would be utterly and completely incomplete without a conversation with crazy woman who is to the warrior what death is to the healer she brings the crazy logic of warriorship into the complete understanding of the teachings of the warrior so who is crazy woman you might ask well crazy woman actually is embedded in all the early religions all the older religions um, carry her in Durga, in Kali, in the destroyer goddesses. That crazy woman is the tsunami in the water. She is the earthquake in the earth. She is the tornado in the air. She is the raging forest fire or the flowing lava of the fire. That she is that energy of chaos. But, she, but we have come to blame her for it. We don't understand her. We frankly trash her. We're afraid of the destroyer goddesses and we panic um, at the very idea that the goddess has this face. We are somewhat pathetic, frankly, about this. Because crazy woman isn't actually the chaos. She is the one who is at home in the chaos. Thus, she is the one you call on when you are in chaos so that you can find the eye of that storm. And this is our deep, again, our deep misunderstanding about the warrior and in particular the crazy woman aspect of warriorship. So, crazy woman then said, uh, her counsel is this, in this world, the one now ending, you all, humanity, have lost the art of chaos. Chaos has been used well by those who would create a world through selfish love and manipulation. So in this world we are in right now that is ending, chaos has actually been used very well by those who are in control. They have done a masterful job of creating systems of order, government, religious, school, etc., for the very purpose of teaching you, that would be us, teaching humanity. So they have done a masterful job of creating systems of order for the purpose of teaching you to fear chaos. And in our fear of chaos, our learned fear of chaos, they will then swoop in and, and tell us to leave the chaos to them, that they'll take care of it. And we have learned to gratefully allow them to take care of it. So those who create the systems of supposed order so that we get a little bit seduced by the order and the peace of that and and the ease in that, and we're happy to let someone else clean up the mess. And in that way, those who are in power remain in power. Oh, yes, they will rescue you, she says. But in reality, these systems of order have not rescued you or served the masses at all. They serve only those who created them. So crazy woman's counsel at at this time is take back your right to ride the eye of the storm yourself. 
Take back your right to surf the mudslide yourself. She says, take back your right to dive deep, deep into the deep reaches of humanity and to allow the tsunami to pass over you. Take back your right to be in right relationship with chaos. Crazy woman tutors us and masters us uh, in being in chaos, in mastering ourselves in chaos. And she says, and we must always remember this about her, I have always served life. She says, that is all there is to serve that is worthwhile. The thing that confuses us about Crazy Woman is that she would kill us to save us. She would kill us in our false, distracted, energy all over the place life. She would kill us so that we could be reborn into that which truly has heart and meaning that which truly serves life. So Crazy Woman's counsels here at the end time is retrieve the art of chaos. Remember, she says, creating chaos is easy. Any fool can do that. And we've seen a great deal of chaos created. And how to ride that storm has been the art that has been missing. There's a great deal of chaos in, in many, on many sides being created in this last five years, two years. Anyone can do that. It's easy to create chaos. That is not the art of chaos. The art of chaos is to ride the storm, is to understand how to be in chaos in a good way. She says, remember, creating chaos is easy. Any fool can do that. The art of chaos is to steer the storm of change into the bright and beautiful new world. A new world founded in the interrelationships of all things. She says the art of chaos is to steer the storm of change to a new world founded in the sacred relationships and interrelationships of love. So I'd like to take these last few minutes, as I have the last couple weeks, to encourage you all to go to lastmaskcenter.org and look at the little blurb there about um, American Ubuntu. And this is a movie script by a friend of mine, a colleague of mine, friend, colleague, loved one, who's worked many years, decade, actually, on this script. And it is a great movie about shamanism that needs to be made at this time. Because it really talks about what the warrior is talking about for us here today. You know, how do we live in a way that we understand that the medicine for our own heart is locked in our enemy's heart? So anyway, uh, my point is Lenore is um, running a Kickstarter campaign right now. And for those of you that don't understand or have never done Kickstarter, A, it's easy. B, if the person having the campaign does not raise their entire amount by the end time of their campaign they lose everything that they've gained so the money that's already been pledged is gone and so time is of the essence with the kickstarter campaign so if you go to my website lastmasscenter.org you can click on the link it will take you to another link that will take you to her kickstarter campaign and you can donate 
She's actually now in the top seven, I think, on Kickstarter. So if you're computer friendly and able to just Google over to Kickstarter, you can find her in the um, favorites right now. That might be an easier way to do it for those of you that are um, computer friendly. But if not, just go to my website, lastmaskcenter.org on the on the landing page there is a little piece about American Ubuntu and you can click on the link, click on the link again. And if you like what you see there, or if you're inspired by what you see there, please feel free to donate any amount, large or small. As I've said the last two weeks, 10,000 people donating only $5 is $50,000. And that's more than one person donating 5,000. So please Click on over and see if you like what Lenore has to offer us through her movie and support her if you feel called to. And thank you for supporting me as well. Um, Next week, we carry on with our messages from the great teachers. Next week, we hear from the teacher and the leader, teacher leader, same energy in this system. And this means we will also be having a bit of a chat with the trickster. So I want to thank the ancestors for gathering around us here today, especially those that have gone through this time before. May they guide us well. I give thanks to the earth below, the sky above, and the heart that unites us all. Thank you all for joining me this week.